When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe on your live, local and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. We just had a real interesting conversation uh, here off here. That's a really bad rib that Bucky's played on me that one time. Yeah. With the sugar-free gummy bears. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is Light the Tower on the Horn. Uh, Craig Wake, Jeff Howe, back from the player availability over on the UT campus. We they, do, have, they do put a warning label on the bag, though. Let you do know they? If you eat too many of them, you might be going boom, Spend, boom. Spending more. time, more time mm-hmm. there on the throne. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, because that does happen around here occasionally, not to us, but uh, fortunately, yeah, you know, <laughs> it does happen. Um, no, player availability. We'll get into some of that yes. next week because uh, it's just there's a lot. Uh, four guys: mm-hmm. Jaron Thompson, Jatavian Sanders, Jade Barron, and Jordan Whittington. I didn't say for Jordan Whittington because I had to get back over here. Yes. So we'll get into that next week. I, I did the football discussion that we'll have in the Longhorn Notebook. I, I did want to talk some Quinn Ewers because that's our insider piece at Horns 24-7. Uh, that was the theme of our Longhorn. Unintentionally, the theme of our Longhorn Blitz podcast this week was kind of the evolution of Quinn Ewers. So w- when we talk football, we'll get into that. So not so much on the player side today. Okay. All right. Um, and, again, we'll uh, we'll expect to hear – I think we'll hear – Something, uh, if not by the end of this hour, probably early next hour, uh, about the status of the baseball game uh, for uh, for uh, Texas and Kansas State and of the series. As as I mentioned, the way the Big Twelve Conference rules are set up for baseball, you basically have three days to get your series in from the time the team lands. Uh, and by that, I would say, you know, uh, if you come in on Thursday, you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three full days to play. If, uh, it, you know, but some of that depends on things like charter travel versus uh, as opposed to uh, commercial travel and also holiday weekends can get factored in. So who knows for sure with regard to that, but I think we're going to find out uh, by uh, if if not by the end of this show, uh, certainly uh, you'll you'll find out uh, probably early next hour. They expect to have an announcement sense. coming out. So. Um, but I know you got to run here in a second, Craig. But uh, Cameron, can I get uh, a breaking news sounder because we got breaking Texas basketball schedule news reported yesterday by John Rothstein, but it is official. The matchup for Texas, since Texas is the road team, it'll be officially mm-hmm. titled the Big East Big 12 Battle. Mm-hmm. 
How about the Longhorns on December 5th going to Milwaukee to face Marquette? So there's the official part, the breaking news part, the date on yes. it. Because I talked about it last hour, but I said the date has not been yes. announced yet, only that Texas would be at Marquette. December 5th. Okay. Last year it was December 6th when they played uh, Creighton here. So it's funny when it's I first Tuesday, by wait, the way. yes, when I first saw John Rothstein's uh, tweet about it yesterday, ninety percent of it conservative estimate, ninety percent of the reaction was about games other than the Texas Marquette game. I found that kind of puzzling. It was all about UConn, Kansas. Why is TCU playing Georgetown again? Uh, why is Iowa State having to play on the road again? Why is BYU and Cincinnati not invited to it? Uh, there, there was all of these well, other Cincinnati questions. Cincinnati probably weren't invited because you have you know, weird 14 teams in the conference. Not everybody can be in it. And, and that would invariably somebody's response going, but why wouldn't they have, you know, and not why are the two schools that are leaving for the SEC, why are they in it? Why 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 wouldn't you why wouldn't you go ahead and have Cincinnati play Xavier and uh, why would you not have don't, don't Cincinnati and Xavier play anyway? They 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 did like, uh, uh, an annual non conference thing. I'm not sure if they still do or whatever. Uh, and then some you know and then and then there were a lot of BYU fans. Greg Rubel, who's a great guy, the play by play voice for BYU, put it up there and said BYU's not in and all and it. Just letting you know he wasn't issuing an opinion. He was just mm-hmm. saying here's how. And there were a lot of BYU fans that said, good, our basketball is not yet ready for the Big 12 Conference yet. Jimmer Fredette's not walking through that door. No. Sean Bradley's not walking through that door. Danny Ainge is not walking go. through that Have door. Have we covered the three, if you go the old three school. most uh, prominent BYU basketball alums? I think alums. probably so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Would you like for me to run those down, Craig? Please those do. matchups real quick. So, uh, November 30th, Texas Tech at Butler. Uh, that same day, Creighton at Oklahoma State. Uh, all on December 1st, Iowa State at DePaul, Houston at Xavier, UConn at Kansas, St. John's at West Virginia on December 2nd, as you said, TCU at Georgetown. Uh, December 5th, Texas at Marquette, also Providence at Oklahoma. Then on December 5th, Villanova at K-State, Seton Hall at Baylor. Okay. Some interesting matchups out of that. Certainly UConn-Kansas. That's that's the big one, mm-hmm. and we could see Texas playing UConn at Madison Square Garden prior to that in the Empire Classic. I mean, right? We've not seen the matchups yet. No, St. John's West Virginia is interesting just yeah. because you know that's two Hall of Fame coaches going at it with Rick Pitino and Bob Huggins. Yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, so there's your breaking news with regard to that. Uh, okay, we need a break. When we come back, it'll get to the notebook, and Jeff will be taking it the rest of the way. I'm, Headed over to uh, the ballpark whenever there is baseball this weekend, and there will be baseball this weekend at some point, but uh, uh, we want to make sure things are uh, remedied technically, so we're going to go over and uh, handle some of those issues coming up. And we'll continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. Sitting in the morning sun. I'll be sitting in the Okay, I want to clear up something just before I get out the door here, and then we're going to get into the uh, – Jeff will get into the Longhorn Notebook before I have to take off. This is in response to a question on the Specs text line. Uh, well, a couple things. First of all, somebody saying, hey, uh, Cincinnati and Xavier do play the Crosstown shootout every year. So there you go to answer your question on that. Um, Longhorn Bear said, why is a player not a coach saying LSU won't visit the White House? Has NIL gotten that powerful already? Uh, he's referring to Angel Reese. She said it on a podcast. She said, we won't go there. We'll go see the Obamas. Uh, I think she was just saying that to be saying it. Uh, the LSU Athletic Department already yesterday said they would be happy to accept an, a, an invitation to the White House. Whether she goes or not is up to her. But uh, LSU has already said they're they're going. Yeah, in – this is just like any time an NFL team or an NBA team, anybody, you know, the team, the organization goes, but not yep. every player goes. Right. And some people do it for political reasons. If there's right. a if there's a Republican in office and you're a staunch Democrat, maybe you don't want to go, or vice versa. Maybe there's a Democrat yep. in office, you're a staunch Republican, you don't want to go. Yes. That's up to it's an individual but, decision. But Angel Reese wasn't speaking for the team, right. even though she said we won't go. She we she was using we in the singular form, meaning her. Uh, the the team has already, or the athletic department has already said we would accept any invitation. Right. Accept it, and then if, hey, if whoever yeah. wants to show up, the plane's leaving at such yes. and such time, be there, and let's roll. There it is. All right, I'm going to let you roll with the uh, rest of this. And again, we're expecting an announcement around the top of the hour with regard to the status of today's baseball game. Uh, before we get into Longhorn Notebook, Cam, we got a flex or no? What we got? Of course, we always do All a right. flex. Yeah, go ahead and get your flex 30 updates. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. What you got, Cam? Well, if you're looking forward to some high school baseball tonight, you're probably <laughs> going to have to wait until Friday, maybe Saturday, maybe even Monday, unless you have a turf field. Right now, it's looking pretty ugly. Round Rock and Vanderbilt supposed to play tonight. Has not officially been announced yet. Um, double check with your the social media accounts, booster clubs, yada, yada, yada. Uh, hopefully, tomorrow's regional semifinal games will not be affected either, Jeff. We got about six, I think, Centex teams. Uh, playing in the soccer boys and girls tomorrow night. Uh, best wishes to all of them. And then last night had a great Flex ATX show with Zach Lucero, Nolan Hogan, and then Corey Mose from uh, KVU came in studio with us, joined the show. We had Ben Kinnison, the uh, head coach at Buda Johnson, coming off a great season where Buda Johnson actually snapped Westlake's 85-game win streak at home in district play. He joined the show, talked about the move up from 5A to 6A where the program's at. And then we also had the brand new Round Rock head football coach join in, uh, Cody Moore as well. A great guy. He was the D.C. Jeff at Round Rock for a few years. Um, he was at Stephenville. He played for Gary Patterson at TCU. Actually asked him a little bit about what was it like to play for Gary Patterson during the uh, during the first part of his tenure up in Fort Worth. So that's, that was a great show. Um, you can catch it on hornfm.com or flexatx.com. Anywhere you get your podcast, just look up the Flex ATX podcast and uh, 
got any questions, hit us up on the Specs text line. But it, it was a it was a great show, and uh, make sure you check it out. Would you like a Cody Moore fun fact that'll take two seconds? Let's do it. I played against Cody Moore in yeah? high school. Okay. Florence and Comfort were in the same district. So he was he played, I believe, DB or linebacker. And when he got to Fort Worth, Gary Patterson, his style of defensive lineman, was like, we want boys who are, are quick and athletic, and we're going to put some muscle on you. Yeah, he was uh, kind of an just an athlete Hybrid. type guy. Yeah. yeah. He, mainly, mainly a defensive lineman. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, he played offensive line at TCU, right? Or was he a D lineman at TCU? I thought he was D line. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, he was he was an athletic, an athletic guy, I believe, if I remember right. I think he played varsity as a freshman. At yeah, comfort. that was a really good comfort program at the time mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, there's a little, a little fun fact on Coach Moore. So Love there it. you go. Uh, FlexATX.com for all of your uh, high school sports needs. All right, let's go ahead and get into the notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. So a couple of things I would like to direct you to. Number one, get over to Horns twenty four seven. That's where you'll find our insider piece, and it's all about Steve Sarkeesian's off-season priority of getting the passing game fixed. It's what Sark has talked about even going back to the end of last year. The passing game didn't click in the way they wanted it to. He knows they need to be more efficient. Uh, Deep shots are a part of Sark's offense. Those need to be hit on more of a consistent basis. The kinks need to get worked out. So all of that stuff is in the insider column, and it's it's heavy on Quinn Ewers. Uh, to in our insider piece at Horns 24-7. So get over there and check that out. Also, the Longhorn Blitz podcast this week. If you're a subscriber, thank you so much for listening. If you're not, search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247, no dashes, slashes, or spaces. Click the follow button. Uh, get every episode of the Blitz, including this week's, which we were going to talk kind of big picture spring football, but it ended up being basically an hour-long discussion on the evolution, the development of Quinn Ewers, which uh, it made for really good football talk. There's... Patrick Mahomes references and Brett Favre references, and we talk about the importance of J.T. Sanders and basically, you know, how he ties into the offense. But it all goes back to Quinn Ewers being the focal point of this passing game, improving from where it was last year. And the, the main question I had with Quinn was this, and we know Quinn struggles and the footwork deal and him thinking he had it figured out after the Oklahoma game, and he didn't in that Oklahoma State game, just how things went off the rails. But and we get into this on the blitz. And really the premise started with Quinn in the last scrimmage was said to basically have a mistake-free scrimmage. Didn't hear about any huge plays happening, but didn't really hear about him making the big blunder either. And this is a defense, a Texas defense, that I'm expecting to be pretty good in 2023. I don't, I'm not expecting them to take a step back. Are they going to be, you know, uh, appreciably better, which would make them one of the best defenses in the country? That remains to be seen. But I expect this defense to at least be on par with what it was last year. So, again, a pretty good defense. So, Quinn's having scrimmages and scrimmage situations where he's limiting the mistakes and, and not getting himself and by proxy the offense and the team in a bind. That's a sign of real growth. And, and we get into it on the Blitz where, where we talk about, you know, the quick game and how the NFL is becoming more of a quick game league and, and, and Quinn, Quinn utilizing the quick game in the Alamo Bowl, how guys with these, these big arms – that's kind of how they have to work defenses out of things like two high shell coverages to make coverages more advantageous to taking shots down the field. You take fewer shots, but because of your willingness to take quick game, quick game, quick game, take what the defense gives you, those shots are going to be there. And when they're there, you do have a higher chance of hitting them. We get into that on the blitz, but I, Cameron, I want to know where you stand on this. And I, I don't pretend to evaluate or know about quarterbacks enough to, 
figure out this chicken egg thing to this conversation. Is it Quinn Ewers' poor footwork and fundamentals that are causing him to have trouble processing post-snap? Or are his issues post-snap and his lack of experience resulting in the poor footwork and fundamentals? So I remember what Trent Dilfer said, because Dilfer runs the Elite Evan, Elite used 11. To, he used coach, to, now he's at UAB. UAB yeah. But he said when Ewers got there that, yeah, he has the talent, but his footwork was really lazy. But because in high school he, he was, you know, heads and shoulders above the rest, you know, he could be lazy with his footwork and mm-hmm. still have the arm talent to, you know, not make mistakes to win football games. But NFL scouts, you know, would say, like, he's got to get his footwork cleaned up. And I think we saw a little bit of that last year, Jeff. I'm right there with you. I'm not a quarterback evaluator. Don't claim to be. Uh, I, don't I don't know. Honestly, I don't know that anybody is. Cam. Yeah. Like, it's they're the best of the best. I, I go back to the example I use to say we're all flawed looking at that position, no matter how good you think you are or how good people tell you you are. Bill Walsh, the late, great Bill Walsh, maybe the greatest quarterback mind to ever roam this mortal world, once said – he had seen the next Joe Montana, and his name was Rick Meyer. So yep. even, even Bill Walsh even Bill Walsh got it wrong from time to time. Drafted Giovanni Carmazzi instead of Tom Brady. Like, it, you know, it happens. But, yeah, I, you know, my thing with Quinn, too, and, and I think we forget this about Quinn. You go back to after his sophomore year at Southlake, which when everybody in the recruiting game, that's when we figured out, okay, this kid's special. Like He's got, you know. What, how, however you want to comp his skill set, Trevor Lawrence, Phillip Rivers, whatever the comp is, he's, he's special. But you go into that offseason before his junior year and the COVID shutdown, which anybody that's going to stunt your development, especially a quarterback where you need to be, it's got to be hands-on learning, right? So that wasn't ideal. You go from that to going into his junior year where, remember, five A's and six A's that year got the late start to the season. Mm-hmm. And then Quinn had the sports hernia injury yeah. and the surgery. So his last game pre-surgery was the day before Halloween, and he didn't get back on the field until right before Christmas. Do you remember that season with the delay? Five A's and six A's are playing in a January. So I think about that, and I think about Quinn coming back from sports hernia, the type of injury where what, what is that type of injury in the recovery? Where is it going to impact you most? In your core. And when a quarterback throws the football, you think about how much natural torque you've got to put through your hip and your core area to throw the football. Well, when you've got an arm like Quinn does, you can stand flat-footed and throw off your back yeah. foot if it's more comfortable. And at the high school level, you can make a lot of throws. And Rod brought this up on the podcast as I'm talking through this. Did Rod, of course, Rod, Rod Babers, ball don't lie, three to seven every weekday here on the horn um, with Mike Harge. Rod brought this up, and I think it's a great point. Did Quinn just settle into some bad habits, recovering from surgery, throwing the football? Because you like you go back to Quinn as a sophomore and even pre-surgery, and like go look at those tapes, and then go watch him in the state championship game against Westlake. I'm not take I'm not going to take anything away from that Westlake program, because Coach Salazar's defense we've seen it; it's been proven. It is a legit defense. They gave Quinn all kinds of fits. Michael Taft picked them off twice, so take nothing away from what Westlake did in that state championship yeah. game. But you watch Quinn's mechanics post-surgery that season and pre-surgery, he does look like a different guy. It looks like a guy that's really trying to 
compensate for the lack of I can't just get my hips and my core into throws like I normally would, which results in you can really hang on to some of those lazy habits that you're getting away with. So then you fast forward going to the spring. He doesn't get a senior year of high school because he's at Ohio State. And how much, and I'm not knocking Ryan Day, but how much development can you really do with a guy that's running your scout team? Like you're running somebody else's plays on a card. You need a shoulder thing too, right? Uh, that Not until, that wasn't until the, the, uh, the when he got to Texas, the Alabama But game. didn't he miss some time or was maybe he was just sick, right? Uh, I think he was just sick. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it was a structural injury. I think he was just sick. Um. You know, I'll go back and look at that during the break so we, I can clarify that before we get out of here, Cam. It's a good point. But how much development was really going on during that during that 2021 season when he redshirted at Ohio State? So you take all that into consideration. So you get a guy coming into Texas last spring who basically had not been himself throwing the football in an offense that he's going to run for basically the better part of two years at that point. So, yeah, there were going to be growing pains. We just didn't think the growing pains were going to be as rough as they were. But when you sit back and think about, and I'm not excusing some of the poor play because some of that's on Quinn, some of that's on Sark, some of that's on the offensive line, and we, we didn't have the time to show to get into that. But considering everything that was that he was up against, it, it it's almost remarkable he had as much success as he did. Where you saw him start to struggle or when teams started to figure him out, figure out how to play him, that's when you saw the defenses that really utilized that three-safety look. They hang out in two high shells. Oklahoma State does it. TCU does it. Iowa State does it. Uh, go on down the list. That's when we really saw Quinn. You know, Baylor structurally can get into some of that. That's where we really saw him struggle. And the the counter didn't come up really until the bowl game when you didn't have you know the counter for Texas last year in the regular season was all right the passing game's not clicking turn around and hand it to Roshan and Bijan just let them carry you across the finish line Texas did that in the Baylor game they did it in the Iowa State game didn't do it in the Oklahoma State game and really couldn't get it done in the TCU game really nothing offensively was working for them against TCU mm-hmm. so what was the counter in the bowl game with those two guys out Take what the defense gives you. If they're going to give you the quick game, they're going to give you the short throws, man, take them. And I th- I felt like we saw real growth. That's when I yeah. keep talking about this process of we saw real growth from Quinn during the bowl game. That's where you saw growth. It's the willingness to take those check down throws. You know, take the safety valves. And Jatavian Sanders, that's why I think, Cameron, until this running game really gets going and you figure out what you've got with C.J. Baxter or Jonathan Brooks or Jaden Blue, whoever your feature back is, and maybe you don't have one this year, but until you figure out kind of who you are, what you can do in the run game, I think not only the quick game, but that's, again, why I pinpoint J.T. Sanders as the guy this offense can least afford to lose because when you talk about you know the golden-arm quarterbacks and how they – evolve and how they develop and when they kind of really hone in and refine their skill sets behind most great golden arm quarterbacks you can find a great tight end with you know Patrick Mahomes he's got Travis Kelsey Uh, Brett Favre he had Mark Chimura even now you know from that Andy Reid coaching tree that Bill Walsh coaching tree of West Coast offense guys that have taken the West Coast offense and put their own spin on it now to fit modern football one that I'm fascinated to see how he evolves is Trevor Lawrence under Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. Well, what does Trevor Lawrence have? He's got Evan Ingram. Another golden arm quarterback, one of my favorites of all time, Cowboys fans, Troy Aikman was one of those guys. In the North Turner offense, who was Troy Aikman's security blanket? Yeah, he had Michael Irvin. He had Alvin Harper. He could hand it to Emmitt Smith. 
But in the break glass in case of emergency situation, where's Troy Aikman going with the football? He's going to Jay Novacek. He said it time and again, Jay Novacek was a security blanket. So where you're going to stress the defense, it's not necessarily with those shot plays, but it's the intermediate game between the seams off of the quick game. That's where Jatavian Sanders can really hurt a defense. We saw him do it last year when he and Quinn were on the same page as really when the passing game was at its best. So that's, in a nutshell, that's where you need to see Quinn Ewers evolve. And you need to see Sark evolve as a play caller. Can you take the short stuff and the quick stuff and build your passing game out from there? Because you don't have the proven commodities in the run game to lean on like you did last year. Am I, am I missing anything, Cam? Are you with me? Are you? Do you have another point here? Just kind of kind of give me your thoughts on, on all this. I'll give you an amen on everything you just said. I think we saw yours kind of grow up. I think it was the press conference before the Alamo Bowl where he was just like, I had some learning to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was just maybe the processing part, him just relying too much on his footwork because – a lot of people, a lot of Texas fans started to screen grab his footwork on throws that were bad. And it's like, all right, you, you can't just, you know, use the still pictures. You know, a picture doesn't tell the full story. Look at Patrick Mahomes. He has a lot of – his footwork is probably not the best at times, but he's the best quarterback in the league. And for yours, I think, you know, he can still, you know, use his talent. But also, there still is some development he needs to go through that he didn't have the last three years dating back to his time at South Lake Carroll through the injuries in COVID. I think people – Kind of expected him to come out and be that five star, you know. Look at me, I'm ready to win the fresh, win the Heisman as a freshman quarterback, and he wasn't ready for that because he wasn't truly developed. And I think maybe some of that was on his end, some of it was probably with the play calling, and maybe Sark. But it looked, sounded like he went through a growing process. Yeah. And I thought the same thing. The Allen Bowl, I thought yours played actually really good. He had a couple bad drops. I think there was one or two routes that were miscommunications that may have not been on him. I haven't watched it since, I think, the yeah, second I, time Yeah, you know, I'll be honest, Cam, I have a problem, you know, especially in the heat of the moment, and even reviewing it, uh, saying, oh, this is on the receiver yeah. or this is on the quarterback, because un- unless you're sitting in the film room on Sunday with those guys, you don't know. Yeah. No, we really don't know. We, we have an idea, but you can't definitively say unless you're talking to, you know, any of the parties involved, what was wrong with that? Uh, CB and Belton Gringo bring up something on the Specs text line, 337-3776. Man, how many times have Vince Young looked for David Thomas in that 2005 season? And to an extent, you, you go back to 2008, uh, Matt Butler brought this up on the podcast, when Colt McCoy set the NCAA completion percentage record. If Texas didn't have a tight end, uh, you know, Blaine Irby got hurt, and they basically went without a tight end, who was their tight end that year? basically just kicked Jordan Shipley inside and made him a flex tight end. And that's where that's where your intermediate passing game came from was Jordan Shipley. I think about that Oklahoma game, man, where he just he just worked Oklahoma to death over the middle. It was death by a thousand paper cuts in that game. So that's where and I brought up the reason why I brought up Mahomes and Favre specifically is my thing and, and I would think Quinn right now is putting in a lot of work because spring football is the time where you can work on things like your footwork and mechanics because you've got the time during practice to do that. That's that's what spring ball is for. But I think he really needs to get with a good private coach because I know, and I'm not going to you know knock anybody's teaching of the position. Again, there are guys far more qualified to teach that position than I ever will be. But I know he's done some work with Jeff Christensen, who's also done work with Patrick Mahomes. Man, if there's two quarterbacks I would yeah. not learn – fundamentals and technique from I would not base my foundation on Patrick Mahomes and Brett Favre are the two that immediately come to mind like 
it's funny now to go back and watch some old like if you watch like a football life on Brett Favre or any like Mike anything on Mike Holmgren, it is hilarious now to look at just how much and, and you got to think Mike Holmgren had he had Joe Montana he had Steve Walsh when he was or Steve Walsh Steve Young when he was with Bill Walsh like Joe Montana might have the best and as much as as much as I hate Joe Montana think about how much of a compliment this is Joe Montana might have the best footwork ever for a quarterback in the history of the game but that's what Mike Holmgren was used to because Bill Walsh used to say man in the West Coast offense the quarterback's footwork will tell you kind of where the ball when the ball's supposed to come out if you just watch the quarterback's feet and Joe Montana had great footwork and Steve Young was a little bit sloppy but he got better but man it's funny like how much Brett Favre just used to piss Mike Holmgren off with just how much of a just a wild just a Mustang just a wild stallion he was and Holmgren had to try to bring him in uh, and it's funny because Andy Reid was on that Green Bay staff Andy Reid's got Patrick Mahomes so, yeah. so you've got these golden gun quarterbacks and now you have to Make you know, make sure they've got some longevity. Make sure you can build to build, you know, give them a good foundation so that way they can be your quarterback for the next uh, 10 to 15 years. And you know, Quinn Ewers won't be at Texas that long, but I think that's the key for him. I think he's got to get with a really good private coach in addition to what he's doing now to really establish the baseline and fundamentals. So that way, once you get to camp and the game planning starts, now you're not, you know, fundamentals become second nature. Now you're really getting into the nuances of this offense. What does Sark want it to look like? How much do you need to be an extension of the play caller and really become a part of that offense? Like we've seen all great Texas quarterbacks do, whether it was. You know, V.Y. with Greg Davis, uh, Colt with Greg Davis, Sam Ellinger with Tom Herman. You know, the guys that do it at a high level basically become they they I, they become the identity of that offense, and they are that offense, and they understand exactly how it's supposed to run. So, I know that's a little long winded on Quinn Ewers, but I wanted to get that out there uh, and kind of get us into the Easter weekend going into next week. We'll take a break, come back, uh, close out this edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Kevin and I talking about having bad dreams. Apparently, he had a little nightmare last night. So. Yeah, no good. Get you a good nap, Cam. Today's good napping weather. It sure Get is. You a good nap on the couch. Uh, whether you're napping, watching Masters coverage, whatever you're doing the rest of the day, thanks for making uh, 10 to noon, taking out that time and listening to us, letting us carry you through these two hours. Stay tuned. Chad and Zay coming up next. We're out tomorrow. So, uh, everybody, however you're celebrating your Easter weekend, be safe. Be happy, be healthy, enjoy your family, enjoy your loved ones. Cam, thank you so much for the job you do, and uh, we'll get back after it next week. That's going to do it for the broadcast week for Craig Way, for Cameron Parker. I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back on Monday to light the tower on the horn, live, local, and digital, on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.